Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Can you make it stop? This is a, a question that came up in a conversation with uh, two people that I respect deeply, and one was talking about how God had God had been moving in him, and the Holy Spirit had been moving in him, and he was experiencing the gift of tongues. And the other was on staff at a church um, and talking to him, and as the first talked about his experience, the other one says, well, can you make it go away? Like, that stuff is of the devil. And I don't believe in it, and I think it's, it has no place, and I want you to not ever do it around me, and I really think you should ask God to kind of take that out of your life. This same guy had another conversation with another leader who said, really, don't you think this is kind of so out there that if you started speaking in tongues, people would be offended? And his response is, I'm not sure that's the way that we should be thinking about it. Like, if something is from God, then we can deal with the offense that people feel, right? And so I'm, I'm using this just to dive straight in this morning as a way to say um, spiritual gifts, and especially the more supernatural seeming gifts like tongues and interpretation and uh, words of knowledge and wisdom and uh, prophecy and healing, these, these are gifts of the Spirit that tend to have Christians feeling all kinds of uncomfortable that tend to have Christians taking different approaches to it and having different opinions. Some say they have no place today. They're cessationists to say those gifts have ceased while they, while they are around in the days of Jesus. They have since ceased, and they're not part of our life today. Some people swing to the other spectrum and say everybody should be experiencing the, uh, these if they're truly, if they truly have faith in Christ. He's going to give everybody these gifts. And then I think there's some place where I would land in the middle to say, I think God is moving. I think the Holy Spirit is alive. And, um, and, and I, I don't want to be on either uh, extreme of this. We're, in, we're finishing up this series on the Holy Spirit, where we've talked about the Holy Spirit being a person. The Holy Spirit isn't just a power, the Holy Spirit isn't just uh, a thing that God gives us um, to fill us. He is fully God. He is the third person of the Trinity and fully God. And we want to experience a relationship with the Holy Spirit as he fills us, as he changes us, as he brings us to life, as he shines light on our dark places and gives us the gift of being able to turn around, the gift of repentance to say, I want to walk even more closely with God and with others. The Holy Spirit is uh, kind of all up in our business saying, I want to walk with you and not just with you, but I want to live inside you. And so we who have a faith in Christ have the Holy Spirit living within. Jesus came on Christmas and it was uh, Emmanuel, God, with us. And then he gave his spirit to say, this is Emmanuel in us, God with us, in us. And that's what this whole series has been about. And so today and next week, 
are let's take a look at let's take a look at these gifts that he gives us what what are they what are they for and how how can we use them how should we be about them and so it these make us uncomfortable often and i'll admit these make me uncomfortable um i have never spoken in tongues i've never had somebody like close to me in a prayer session start to speak in tongues and so i have very very limited experience in this i haven't ever personally put my hands on someone and prayed for them and seen them healed um nor have i necessarily seen that you know in the moment um when that is taking place but i have so many people whom i respect dearly and think the world of that um it's a discipline for me to say just because i haven't experienced it does not mean that it is not there or should not be there or even maybe that something is lacking in me well, we want to take a look and i want to start in genesis 1:1 uh that was read this morning as the call to worship and and i'll i'll explain it genesis 1:1 starts in the beginning god we as christians believe in the supernatural the world today in general loves the natural and is confined by the natural one of the one of the um confining marks of people uh, often in the scientific community is to say there is only the natural and there's nothing else and and that just isn't the reality for christians christians believe in a supernatural god that does not exist in the natural that exists beyond and is transcendent to the natural we believe in the supernatural god we look at creation and we think this didn't just happen naturally god was behind it creation happened supernaturally the incarnation is crazy supernatural god became a person that's that's crazy talk and yet we believe it wholeheartedly it's at the core of who we are in our faith uh we believe that the resurrection happened that jesus died really died and then really rose physically that he came back to life that is not a natural conversation for someone who only believes in the natural that will sound like nonsense every time and yet while we love the natural we also believe in the supernatural god creation incarnation resurrection the indwelling that god lives in us is not a natural conversation and that one day one day we will live forever with god in a completely healed and reconciled world with reconciled people fully in his kingdom this is not a natural conversation so i believe we shouldn't be surprised when we see the super, supernatural show up when we see things that we would say whoa that is not natural looking it may cause us pause but we shouldn't be completely surprised by it it's not all that far off to say 
I already believe in God. I should expect some crazy stuff, <laughs> right? I should expect some stuff to show up that is beyond me, it, it, maybe even beyond my comprehension. I should expect that. So Paul talks about gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, and I want to read uh, from there this morning. We're going to actually read the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 12. We'll start out with the first 10 verses, and then we'll end um, with the remaining of the chapter. Paul talks about um, spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith in the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Is this a natural conversation that we're having? No. No, this is fully into the supernatural camp, right? So, Real quick, in verses 4 through 6, he says there's a variety going on here. There's all kinds of distinction. There's all kinds of diversity. And yet there's one God. There's one spirit behind it all. And so this beautiful picture of diversity and unity at the same time, that we are all created by God, and yet we're all different. He knit us all together differently, uniquely, and yet he was the one who did it. We call on his name, and he gives gifts differently. And yet we're all in this together. Verse 7 says, every Christian has spiritual gifts. Every Christian has gifts that the Spirit gives. We say, why and for what purpose? And Paul says here, for the common good. That means God doesn't give me gifts. The Spirit doesn't give spiritual gifts for me, for my benefit. He gives me gifts for your benefit. He gives you gifts for our benefit, right? The gifts that God gives in these is not to be looked at selfishly, is not just to be looked at for personal gain, but for the gain of the community. And so I want to, this morning, uh, three quick words. I want to talk about the distinction between uh, Fruit of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit. The distinction. I want to talk about the descriptions of these uh, gifts that, he, that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. And then I want to uh, talk about some directions that we're given and say, okay, if this is going on, how do we pursue this? What should we do? Distinction, description, and direction. The first distinction is between fruit and gifts. So in Galatians 22 and 20, 5, 22, and 23, um, Paul kind of rattles off the fruit of the Spirit that says 
when we're walking in the Spirit, when the Spirit is in us and transforming us and growing us, these things show up in our life. He says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These things grow in the life of the Christian. Everybody who is following Christ should be growing in all of these uh, evidences of the Spirit in us. The, the fruit of the Spirit is related to our character. As Christ transforms us, as the Spirit transforms us, these things show themselves in our lives. That's a little bit different than uh, the gifts of the Spirit. So the gifts, uh, the gifts are about um, not so much as we're transformed, these things show up. But God giving purely out of grace. And he doesn't do them all to everyone. But he, he gives some gifts to some people and other gifts to others. And part of the reason that we'll read later on is so that we, have, we need each other. So that I'm not complete and you're not complete just on our own. That we actually need to lean on each other uh, and uh, reside with each other. So fruit of the Spirit is stuff that we would all look to see growing in our lives, every aspect of that fruit. Gifts of the Spirit, we would say, not all these are going to take hold of me. Not all of these are going to take hold of you. They're gifts that God gives, and they're more for service. So while the fruit is about character, the gifts are about service. How can I serve the community? How can I, how can I uh, partner with God? Okay, so that was quick distinction between fruit and gifts. I want to, I want to take a little bit of time and rifle through uh, descriptions of them. So Paul talks about these in 1 Corinthians 12. He talks about prophecy. Prophecy has a number of different understandings uh, within the Christian community. And I would say my best understanding of prophecy is that it's usually not foretelling. Prophecy is usually not saying God is telling the future through somebody. It's more akin to forth-telling, to say, if you keep going in this direction, this is the consequence. This is what's going to happen. And you can look to all kinds of examples in the Old Testament of prophets that most of the time did not tell the future, but would say, Israel, if you keep going on this track, here's... Here's where it's going to end up. God did it with uh, Jeremiah, and he said, I, like, I lament because you have crossed a line where Isaiah said, change or else this is coming. Jeremiah now gets to a point of, you didn't change, and this is coming, right? And they're, they're prophets who are forth-telling. Um, someone, someone wrote the definition of prophecy saying, telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. So God, God speaks to somebody and they're able to say it with clarity and uh, it's looking toward a future. Not as a... Um, I, I, there can be a tension to end times, but the gift of prophecy doesn't reside in the study of end times. The gift of prophecy is this ability to speak and people are pierced and say, oh, that was a message from God. 
And so it's different. Prophecy is different from teaching. Where teaching is the ability to unpack Scripture and make Scripture attainable and applicable, prophecy is this ability to pierce, to say, God is moving in him, and he just punched me in the face, and my response is, thank you, may I have another? That's, that's the gift of prophecy going in full motion. Wisdom and knowledge is um, having information that no one could really know naturally. God may impress something upon you in a conversation where you walk up to somebody you know or you walk up to somebody maybe you don't even know and say, God told me to tell you this. God spoke to me and this one is clearly supernatural. And I think this one can be abused where all of these gifts have um, their place. I think all of them can be counterfeited and all of them can be abused. So we need to be very careful when we say, thus saith the Lord, right? God spoke to me and he wants me to tell you this. I want, like we need to be careful and we need to be disciplined. But, uh, but I believe that God speaks and I believe that sometimes he whispers information that we couldn't know naturally. This shows up in um, what I would call miraculous ways and non-miraculous ways. So sometimes I think God just gives nudges. So I'll give an example of this um, in my own life where I'm having a conversation and I feel like God brings certain scriptures to mind. Or um, recently I was having a conversation with somebody where God just gave me a word and said, I think you need to hear the word courage. And the person got really choked up and said, I got that word tattooed on me years ago, and I, I need to cling to that right now. And you can call that coincidence. You could, but we believe in a supernatural God, and I don't, I don't really believe in coincidence. So uh, I do believe that God is working in conversation, that he's working in relationship, and that he can give us information that we can't look up on Wikipedia. And he just imparts it, uh, wisdom and knowledge there. Faith is having a vision of what God wants and then having confidence that God will move forward in bringing it to fruition no matter what the circumstances look like. That God speaks to us and says, this is where we're going. And then I hold confidently to that. No matter, uh, no matter if people would say, things do not look good and I can't see how this is ever possible, uh, people with the gift of faith stand up and say, but I believe. The gift of healing, uh, we take a look at that, and this is in the way that Jesus came to heal. He came to heal spiritually, right? That we are spiritually broken, and he came to heal us. But we see over and over and over and over Jesus also healing physically, and so we say the gospel isn't just a spiritual reality. The gospel is also a physical reality. And we who are Christians look forward to the day that one day we recognize we will be completely spiritually healed and completely physically healed. Revelation paints the picture of a time where there are no more tears. There's, there's no more brokenness. There's no more death and there's no more pain. And we believe that day is coming. 
we also believe in an already not yet kind of kingdom, right? So Jesus gives us a taste of what the coming kingdom looks like when he heals people spiritually. He gives us a taste of what is coming. And I think, I think healing is active today. Not every time and not in every instance. But healing gives us a taste of what is coming. I think it is good for us to pray for healing. I think it's good for us to have faith that God is the ultimate healer and can and sometimes does heal us. When healing happens in our midst, it is a testament to the gospel. It is um, a comfort to people who are in the midst of struggle. It equips people for ministry because it removes barriers, and it's an opportunity for us to brag about God for his glory. It doesn't happen all the time, and it's not just a matter of faith. Like, if you really believe more, God will heal you. Faith certainly has a component to it. But Jesus says, like, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. What he's not saying there is grow your faith. He's saying it's already there. It's already in you. You need to believe that God is the healer and can heal and may heal, and you can rest in that. And what if he doesn't? We feel our suffering, and we wait for the coming full reality of the kingdom. We wait for redemption. We know that God can use all of these things for good, that he, he can be teaching us even in the midst of the suffering and in the brokenness. And so a question is, God, if you're not healing me, what, what can you be teaching me? How can I cling more tightly to you? How can you grow my faith in this experience while still praying for healing? Paul talks about miracles, which a real simple way to understand miracles would be uh, works displaying God's power. Works displaying God's power. Deliverance from danger, meeting special needs, defeating demonic forces, that we are in a spiritual battle, and sometimes God shows up in power in ways that could not, could not happen naturally. And yet, God supernaturally is working all the time. This is about power and glory. Discernment, or Paul says distinguishing among spirits, is this uh, special ability to recognize the influence of the Holy Spirit um, contrasted with demonic forces in a person. That someone is going in a direction and you say, this is the Holy Spirit working in you and I want to I want to keep you going in this or to say, whoa, 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 whoa. That is not from God. And somebody with, a, with discernment almost has eyes into the supernatural world to say, this, this goes with the heart of God and with how the Spirit is moving and, and this doesn't. Tongues is uh, prayer or praise spoken in syllables that are not understood by the speaker. So we, we pray, and I don't even know what I'm praying. 
and interpretation is being able to report back to the body, to the people there, what, what the meaning is of what is being spoken. It can be a known language. So like in Acts 2, uh, on the day of Pentecost fully realized, when the Spirit comes down, uh, it talks about them speaking in tongues, speaking in languages that they didn't understand but could be clearly understood, that people were, people were coming from all different cultures, speaking all different languages, and they each heard this message in their own language. That is, I'm speaking fluent Spanish, and I don't know Spanish. So sometimes it can happen like that. Sometimes it can happen in um, more of a spiritual language. There's actually been... Uh, there's. <laughs> There's actually been scientific studies on speaking in tongues and what happens in the brain when someone is praying versus when someone is speaking in tongues. So they hook people up and they recognize there's a part of your brain when you are speaking in tongues that, um, that is not active. And it makes sense because you're using a language that you're not controlling, that you're not understanding uh, when I talk to you, my frontal lobe is going constantly. When I speak in tongue, that part of my brain sorts, it rests, and it allows God uh, to do his thing. Um, one thing that I would say about speaking in tongues is this, this is not meant to be a disorderly gift. This is not meant to be something that is uncontrollable, that cannot be controlled, um, Paul actually, a couple, a couple chapters later in 1 Corinthians 14, talks about tongues showing up in a service, and he says, I want you to be about order. Because if you guys are just all going off speaking in tongues and no one's interpreting and somebody else walks in, they're going to be like, whoa. Okay? But there should be order in the body. And we wouldn't treat any of the other spiritual gifts with the sense of this can't be controlled. Like you walk past the giving box and a $100 bill flies out of your wallet and says, whoa, I must have the gift of giving. I must have the gift of generosity. I can't control it. It just keeps coming out of me, right? We don't treat anything like that. And I would say this gift of tongues can, can and should be self-controlled. We can, we can enter into it and we can say, no, this is not the time. This is... And that is not to dismiss it. That's not to berate it. That's not to look down on it. That's to say, let's use the gifts with discipline. Some people talk about having a private prayer language. So Paul says, if you speak in tongues, someone should be there to interpret. Sometimes it happens when you're just praying, and there may not be interpretation, but uh, it, is a, um, it is an intense moment in connecting with the Spirit. So this happened a few weeks back uh, where I, I noticed somebody um, having an intense conversation with God. I won't say out-of-body experience, but I would say out-of-natural experience. And my, my first thought was, I love this. I don't I don't want to control it. I don't want to shut it down. I want somebody to have the freedom to do some intense, uh, intense time with God. If he's speaking to this person, 
I want them fully attentive. And if he's just there to meet them in a moment, I want them to be able to receive it. Can tongues be abused? Yes. Can it be counterfeited? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's pretty easy to counterfeit what seems like babbling, right? And so it, it can be. But that shouldn't, that shouldn't lead us to a place where we say, every time something like that shows up, we look upon it like, okay, faker. Maybe God is doing something. And we should embrace that. Can tongues be made into an idol? I think so. I think some people expect that all Christians uh, should, should speak in tongues. And I don't think that's consistent with a biblical message. Say we, we are each given different gifts because we need each other and we're uh, made differently. So that, that's Paul uh, in the first 10 verses kind of rifling through these gifts. Now I want to take, and I, I want to move fairly quickly, fairly quickly through the rest of the chapter in 1 Corinthians 12 because I love the picture that he paints here, starting in verse 11. Uh, talk, Paul talks about the gifts, and he says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the sense of, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head, or the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think, uh, that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. And Paul goes on to talk about love. He says, if we do all of these things, but we're not doing it in, a, in the way of love, 
And we are missing the point completely. God gave us these things so that we would be better at loving each other. So this is about unity and diversity. Not everyone is the same, but we are all in this together. And I would say, you are responsible for what God has given you. With the spiritual gifts that God has given you, do not hide them away. Do not put them on a shelf. Do not cover them over and hide them. You need to use spiritual gifts that God has given you. When you don't, we are lacking. When you don't, the body is missing something. God put us together so that we need each other. We need each other. Please use your gifts. And use them, as Paul instructs, for the benefit of others. So these are not meant uh, to puff ourselves up, to feel like, I am so gifted, I am God's gift to everyone. These are meant so so that we could bless others, so that we could lift others up, we could be a benefit to others. I say, uh, use it and grow it. That nobody speaks fluent Spanish the first week of class, right? In order, to, in order to learn a skill, in order to learn a language, in order to become proficient at something, you need to get in, you need to recognize, oh, I think I have what this takes. And then you start to practice. And then you start to use it. And you are better years into it than when you began. I don't think spiritual gifts show up and all of a sudden we nail it. We're, all, we're good at the way God uh, wired us. I think he gives us things and he wants us to grow these things. And this is about cooperation. This is about partnership with how God has made us and say, I'm, I'm going to grow. Can spiritual gifts lie stagnant? I think so, Absolutely they can sleep for a long time. But you can grow them. And I want us to grow them. And if you take a chance, if you take a risk and you fail, that's okay. That's okay. That doesn't mean you don't have that spiritual gift. It means that one didn't go so well. So be humble. Use it for teaching. And then take another shot. If you feel like God is saying something to you in a conversation for somebody else, take a risk and say it. And if that person responds with like, oh, that's nice, or that is way off, use that in instruction. Because God may be trying to get your attention, and we have to, we have to get more focused to hear him and to use that. The spiritual gifts, I think, show up in the superordinary and the ordinary. They show up in the extraordinary and in the just ordinary stuff. So, Leslie's dad, uh, a few years ago, was diagnosed with cancer. And they found it because his kidneys failed. And he went on dialysis, and his kidneys dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped. So that at one point, 
he was down to 1% kidney function. And doctors said, we're going to keep fighting. And people prayed. And when his kidneys returned, and he was able to get off dialysis, and the doctor said, you have healthy kidneys. The doctor said, this doesn't happen. Nobody goes to 1% and then has kidneys come back to life. I cannot explain what happened. And the family's able to say, well, naturally, no. But we can. We have a God who heals. And so this didn't happen, I don't think, you know, in a major moment of laying on hands and praying, but he had, he had people praying for healing. And something beyond beyond the grasp of science and the medical community happened. And healing happened. I don't know how this happened. It defies medical explanation. Okay, something supernatural is going on here. Recognize that God is working in you. Recognize that God gives you gifts for the betterment of the community and use those gifts. Grow in those gifts. And when those gifts show up or don't show up, recognize that this, this is all about the Holy Spirit moving in our community. And we can embrace that and we can move forward on it. We'll wrap up with this. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. I love that. God's varied grace. That means God shows up in my life differently than it shows up in your life. And yet it's still God's grace. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The Holy Spirit is alive and active. We need to lean in so that the community can get built up and God can receive greater and greater glory. We use what we've been given for his glory and for others' benefit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the way that you work. I thank you even, even in the gifts of the Spirit, that you use them for intimacy, that you use them so that we could be pulled together, that you use them so that we don't become arrogant, that you use them so that we don't uh, think little of ourselves, that we recognize that each one of us, each one of us is vital to the health of our community. And each one of us cannot be the health of our community alone. Would you help us to recognize you? Spirit, would you help us to recognize and chase after you in our midst, that we would grab on to the gifts that you are giving, that we would use them in all the ways 
that you would have for us. Would you help us when we see the supernatural in our midst to lean in, to not come with eyes that are just skeptical, but to lean in with great discernment and great wonder so that you could get more glory, so that we could get closer to you and to each other. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.